So the author of Hebrews is intent on having his readers certain about the identity of Jesus Christ. One of his concerns, if you'll remember, was that <clears throat> there was something going on that was equating Jesus Christ to the angels. And so last time we were together, we were able to take a look at how the author addressed that. At that time, I told you that we'd take a Sunday just to talk about angels, just because I, <clears throat> I've never heard anything about angels really too much. Um, and I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about angels, so I thought maybe we could just spend a little time looking at Scripture. Now, Ken, we're going to need sound for this video that I have. I found a really succinct uh, video that's sort of like a fact checker that kind of just sort of demystifies some of the things or addresses some of the misunderstandings that are out there about um, angels. So uh, we'll just watch that to start. So that's kind of the, um, you know, the fact checker on some of the misconceptions about angels, and I thought he did it really succinctly, so I thought that would be a good thing for us to start off with. But uh, this, this whole idea of our relationship with angels is something that is actually a growing industry uh, in, our, in, our, in our world. Um, you can go on site, uh, on, on the web, and find lots of sites now that are talking about how you can uh, connect with your personal angel. All right? So I just want to read uh, this one excerpt from this one woman who's a bit of an angel guru. Uh, a perfect method for exerting your free will to develop, uh, will be to develop more dynamic relationship with your angels to bond with them, just as bonding with a friend, relative, or co-worker deepens and strengthens that relationship. Bonding with angels lets the angels know you are aware of their presence in your life, that you're grateful for their help, and that you want more of their love, healing, guidance, and assistance. And remember, just like with your best friend, bonding with angels can be simple and really fun. And actually, if you hire her, she'll help you, uh, if you give her some money, to connect <laughs> with your angel. <laughs> um, so how are we just supposed to regard angels? Um, how are we supposed to understand how they are to interact? So let's just first look at, and I, I like that guy, Travis's, um, for those who are traditionalists, that guy's a Church of Christ guy, so uh, obviously from somewhere down south. But um, Travis seems to have a pretty good handle on this, and I like his definition. The definition of angels, a class of immortal spirit beings, neither human nor divine, who live in heaven, were created by God as his servants. I think it's really important that we point out that they're not human and they're not God. And sometimes we can sort of mix that up. They're actually a different class of beings. And they're created by God for God's purposes, which is what all of creation is about. Now, Scripture doesn't teach us specifically about angels. There isn't sort of a chapter in the book of you know, Isaiah, where it says, now, you need to know this about angels, and there's a long list or description or uh, something explaining what angels are about and what they do. That which we know about angels comes out of um, just observing in scriptures how they have uh, interacted 
uh, in, in history. And so we see uh, from uh, examples in Scripture, um, angels, and so we're able to surmise some things about them. For instance, we've seen um, angels, and there are examples of angels in Scripture doing all kinds of things, like worshiping God and, and serving God. Uh, they're going to be part of the great judgment. They play a role in the, um, in the great judgment when God will separate the sheep from the goats. Um, they're at work battling evil. They, they helped in the process, and I think that this is interesting, they helped in the process of giving the law to Moses. And because the readers uh, here are Hebrew, who, they're Jews, um, it's, a, it's kind of, maybe that's kind of helps us understand last, the last sermon, the last time we were together about, you know, this confusion about Jesus and angels. Because angels played in a very important role to the Jews in giving the law to Moses. Um, they relay God's plans. Uh, if you remember, we just went through Christmas and, and you know, Gabriel came and said, this is what's going to unfold. Um, they uh, bring answers to prayer. They assist in winning people to Christ. And uh, they assist people in, in, in death. And I think that's kind of a neat picture that, that we have in Scripture about the angels kind of escorting us into the presence of God. But you might be asking... Um, do they play a regular role in our lives? Should we sort of be interacting, connecting with angels um, if they're so prevalent in Scripture? After all, we, we read in Hebrews 1, our passage um, a few weeks ago, are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? They, they're spirits sent to serve us, those who are inheriting salvation. So the question is, in what way do angels serve us? So there's two ways that I can find in Scripture that show how angels serve us. Do you have a question? So the ones that are there now. Angels? Yeah. Okay, so when you say there now, let's be clear. Um, there's Scripture tells us that, that, that angels were created... Um, there's a finite group of them. So they weren't. They they're not. It's not a growing. It's not a person who dies, and that's a misconception that you know because we say stuff like that, especially when little children die. We say, "Oh, now she's an angel." You know, no, that's not true. They're not. We're not. We don't become angels. We're different class, right? Uh, there's God. There's angels. There's us. <laughs> okay. No, it's good. You want to be an angel. Sorry about that. You're going to be better off. You're going to be better than that. You actually are going to judge angels, but we won't get into that today. <laughs> so, anyways, there are two, two, two kind of examples or two ways that we see scriptures serving uh, believers. Okay, the first one. I'll take you to a passage uh, in Acts, Acts 12, where Peter is. Um, in prison, and this isn't good because um, James, who was John, uh, was um, Jesus's brother, um, and the head of the church in Jerusalem, has been killed by the king of Israel, um, and so there's this clampdown going on, and uh, Peter now is arrested. So I'm sure he's thinking, "Oh, this is this is the end." And let's just read from from Acts. 
It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, I'm sorry, it's not James, the brother of Jesus, it's James, brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was about to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Heavily guarded, I would say. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and, and woke him up. It sounds kind of more violent than it probably was. <laughs> but it kind of, you know, wake up kind of thing, you know. Get quick, get up, he said. And the chains just fell off of Peter's wrists. And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Now, you might be wondering why he's so prescriptive here, but, you know, you just were woken up by an angel, so you're probably freaking out, right? So you're like, you probably need to be told, put your clothes on, right? So uh, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He, he thought that he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them. It's kind of like Alibaba kind of stuff. It opened for them, and, uh, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the door, outer entrance, and a servant named Rhonda, or Rhoda, sorry, came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. And then they said, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. See, they were anticipating that, that Peter would have uh, been killed too. It must have been his angel. So, these, um, these occurrences where actually an angel materializes in some form and presents himself um, to someone are very rare in Scripture. But we have to accept that it could happen, right? Like an angel could materialize and, and could, uh, it, we, we could interact with an angel. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 13, the writer says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, right? And so uh, this concept that angels materialize, we encounter them, um, we, we can't sort of say, well, that's nonsense, that, that doesn't happen. Well, no, it, it could happen, and you might not even know it happened. And then again, you might. So we can't discount that. But it seems like our relationship to angels is not as obvious as that. Um, it seems that more often than not, and I would assume, uh, that the angels are doing work, but it's behind the scenes. They're serving us, but we are not 
aware of it. Now, some of you might be sort of like, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah, that, that sounds a bit suspicious to me. How do we know it's happening if we're never supposed to know that it's happening? You know, it's kind of like Santa Claus, you know, checking on you to see whether you're naughty or nice. So you better be good. For goodness sakes. Sort of like the angels are around you, so you better watch out. So is um, there an angel of death? Pardon me? Is there an well, not that I'm aware of in Scripture, but I could, no, I don't think so. Um, well, wait a minute. Now that's caught me off guard. Yeah, the Scripture does talk about an angel of death. Is that an angel that kills or one who's living in death? Uh, that no. Comes, like, that, death. that kills, yeah. But that's, I'm referring probably back to Israel's history. So what I'm thinking of is when, like, when you're dying. Oh, well, yeah, that Krista, yeah, that does happen, and, and scripture, and I don't have the scripture right here, but I could get it to you, where uh, there, the image of our death is that angels do escort you into the presence of God, yeah, so that kind of angel of death, I was sort of thinking of the Grim Reaper, sort of thing, and, and actually, I don't know, like, scripture seems to suggest in very specific cases that they're that that's sort of a possibility too. Um, I'd look back and I, somehow it's think, I'm thinking around the Passover or something like that happened. But anyways, I'd have to look it up. Um, so this idea that 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 you know you can't see it, therefore it can't be, is something that we have to challenge. And I was thinking about this. Well, what's a good example of that? And, and, and the thing is that, that every day, you and I both, um, we actually trust atoms. Atoms. You know, those little, the building block of material, right? We, we actually trust them. Because a wooden chair like this, if you get it down to the smallest piece, is actually made of atoms. And I sit on that, right? I'm trusting the atoms to be doing their job, right? I can't see it. I don't understand atoms, you know, from Adam. I don't, I don't understand atoms. But somehow, I'm willing to sit down on this thing. And it's the same sort of thing with angels. I, I, I don't understand angels. The Bible doesn't teach about angels. There's examples in the Bible of how angels do stuff. And, and, and I'm just supposed to trust that these angels are doing things, that they're, as we read earlier in Hebrews, they're serving me somehow. And so I have to put my faith and trust in Scripture that they are actually doing that. So where's an example in Scripture where there's people that were unaware that angels were serving them, but there's kind of, they were shown eventually that there were angels involved. Well, we, we have to look uh, now to 2 Kings. So I'm going to be reading from 2 Kings 6. Um, this is a story about Elisha. All right? Now, just to get in the history thing here, Israel was a great nation. It divided into two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Elisha was a prophet. He was Elijah's protege. Um, he was, Elisha was a prophet who... Uh, was serving the northern kingdom of Israel. And um, so he was, he was a prophet. And so 
It's about like 800 years before Christ. So here we go. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. That's the northern kingdom. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So he's being strategic, right? I'm going to set up my camp to kind of um, trap the Israelites. The man of God, which, who is Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. The time, man of God, and he got a, probably a positive report because time and again Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. So you get the situation is Israel's at war, northern kingdom's at war with Aram. The king of Aram says, look, we've got to be strategic about our, you know, beating this enemy. We're going to go to such and such a place. Elisha, who's a prophet, goes to the king and says, don't go to such and such a place because that's where the king of Aram's going. Or his army is, anyways. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded on them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? So he thinks, you know, there's a mole, right? There's, there's a traitor within the ranks. Who's going over to Israel and telling them our every move? None of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers. But Elisha, that dirty rat, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the very words you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> the guy knows everything, man. We can't beat this guy. Go, find out where he is, the king said, so I can send men and capture him. Which is, you think about that, that's what a stupid thing to say. He kind of is going to know that he's coming to get captured. You know what I mean? Like, well, we'll capture him. Though he's not going to get Anyway, so go and find out where he is, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Just continue reading when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant's looking around, he said, all I see is them. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. Well, good. And he led them to Samaria. That was the capital of the northern kingdom. He led them right to the king of Israel. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there, there they were inside Samaria. Captured. Drats. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or, or bow or bowl? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram learned their lesson 
and stopped raiding Israel's territory. Interesting story, right? Uh, Elisha's servant is totally unaware of what these angels are doing around them, but there, were, there was an army of angels who were with them, protecting them from the very real army of Aaron. So if angels are ministering spirits sent to serve us, we have to assume that much of what they're doing, we don't know they're doing, and they're doing it for us. That should be comforting. So the question then, of course, would be, do we have a guardian angel? Beat you to it. <laughs> do we have a guardian angel? Well, that concept seems to come from two verses. Both of, 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 yeah, it comes from two verses in Scripture from the New Testament. Acts 12, we've already made reference to. Notice when um, the servant uh, goes and says, Peter's at the door. And, the, and they say, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, <laughs> they said, it must be his angel. And it's that possessive sense that's used there, his angel, that people take to assume that we all have an angel. Here's another passage that is referred to or seems to support the idea of a guardian angel. And it's from Matthew 18. Jesus has this little child on his lap. And he's talking about entering the kingdom of God. And he says, you have to become like this child if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. So Matthew 18, 10, we read, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So there's this idea that, you know, you've got your angels assigned to you, and they're your angels. That's the only basis of this understanding of guarding angels. And there isn't anything about guardian angels in Scripture other than there's this idea that by these two passages of Scripture that suggest that there's possession, like you're sort of angels that are assigned to you. So we really don't know the answer to that question. You may and you may not have a guardian angel. But it doesn't matter one bit, <laughs> quite frankly. Scripture is clear that there are angels serving on your behalf, somehow. So it's not wrong to believe in... It's not wrong to believe in a guardian angel. Like, I think it's good I to... I firmly be believe hmm? there was one there with Isabella. Oh, no, I, I don't think that there's anything. If, if, if Isabella, folks that are visiting won't know the story... But Bella was on a boat and uh, with her dad and her boyfriend's brother and a few others. And there was an accident. It was in the, and unfortunately, uh, the boyfriend's brother and her dad were killed on that boat. And, and Bella was thrown into the water, am I right? And yeah. No, she was on the boat, but she felt the presence of, of someone with her. I don't doubt that there was someone with her. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know that maybe that was an example of a now is it a guardian angel that yeah, was with her? Yeah. It doesn't matter really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if she felt the presence of of, of 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 an angel or someone from God, absolutely. I 
I don't have any clients. Okay. No problem. For it being yeah. as bad an accident as it was. Yeah. And her being okay. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she feels to this day that God was with her and protected her. I can see that being the role of an angel. Absolutely. Okay, so we do know that angels are serving us whether, I guess, but the, the, the caution that we need to end with is this, that Scripture is also very clear that to, to sort of foster or nurture an unhealthy fascination of angels is not good. All right? And the reason I say this is that... Um, John, who was writing the Revelation, the Revelation that we find in the book of Revelations, uh, when he was writing this, um, let, let's just read from Revelation 22 what, what happens. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And this is the great vision that John saw, and, and which is the book of Revelation. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. And that's the key, right? When we, when we look at this topic of angels, we can get caught up with angels for some reason. I even believe Satan uses angels uh, in people's heads. He just doesn't use actual angels, but he can use angels as a, to sidetrack us. Because I don't know about you, but I don't give enough attention to God already. <laughs> right? I should be giving God more attention. Not splitting my time between Jesus Christ, who did what he did on the cross for me, and some, you know, kind of interest in angels. Like, why waste time on angels? <laughs> I need to worship God, right? And so... I just want to close with a quote I think that's, that's really good uh, from Dr. David Jeremiah and uh, Sherilyn put me on to him as a guy that's written about this and I got this from his blog. That, in fact, is the only sufficient goal in the study of angels, that you might draw closer to God. If you study angels and the result is anything less, if, you study, if your study results in a file of information about angels or fascination with them or even a supposed relationship with one, but you haven't encountered at least a tug towards humble submission to the Almighty God, you've totally missed what angels are all about. The goal of discovering more about angels should be to more fully comprehend the magnificence and majesty of our Creator and ultimately create in us the desire to love and serve him more completely as we come to know him better. And so, yeah, there are angels. And yeah, they serve us. Are we to try to foster a relationship with angels? No. You don't have enough time for that. Spend your time worshiping God. <laughs> okay? That's what we should be all about. I'll just close with this thought, too. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. Part of our fascination with angels is that somehow we can sort of connect with the divine. When in fact, Jesus said, when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. God himself, resident in you. <laughs> I would say, you know, trying to connect with the divine through angels is really a waste of your time. 
Explore the Holy Spirit in you. That's where you should spend your energy. God himself, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. Praise God. So, kind of puts things in perspective. And, and that's, that was my goal this morning. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, understand your word better all the time. Thank you, Lord, for those who have written on these things and studied them and are able to help us understand and get perspective on them. Lord, we do thank you for angels. We thank you for the fact that you created this, this class of beings uh, whose purpose is to serve you by serving us. What a blessing that is. But help us not, Lord, to get fascinated by them. Help us, Lord, to just invest totally, fully, completely in you. And uh, just appreciate how much you love us. Um, so I ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you.